Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, we watched The Incredibles. Incredibly... The Incredibly Incredibles. The Incredulousables. (laughs) I know so many people love this movie. Even when this first came out, I was like, it was okay. That was my initial response. Back when this came out in 2004, I was like, all right, fine. It's, It's a thing. And now having watched it as an adult, I'm just like... Oh, like, okay, fucking beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Everything is so gorgeous. I love the design. I love the colors. I love the lines. I love the aesthetic. Like, it's just so visually pleasing. Oh, yeah. But such fucking garbage. It's bad. I mean, when I it's first It's way worse than it, y'all remember. Yeah, it's, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this was so great. I mean, because obviously, like, I'm a male person so i'm like identifying with a very male centric story at least the first one and i was just like oh my god wow that was so great and blah 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 i mean again i was the second like, one oh yeah it's a white straight guy right yeah it's a white straight guy writing about <laughs> feminism and being like am i right ladies and you're like what did, what are you talking about i know just gotta go back to the good old days oh my god yeah oh <laughs> i there's a lot there but, but so you liked it at first, like when you first I, watched it. I love. I didn't like it. I loved The Incredibles. I thought The Incredibles was so good. I was just like, ah, oh, it's so fun. I remember the intro short you, film. Did you got to have, have it? I was just so here for it. Um, to some degree, I still am, and to some degree, I will still probably rewatch these movies because I've seen The Incredibles so many times. I've seen The Incredibles too. I think like three times now, but um, I won't look at it the same. Like, especially looking at it with a critical eye, it changed everything about the movie for me. In every capacity, in every respect, everything I thought about it, I no longer think about it. Yeah, uh, a thousand percent. (laughs) And it's, okay, it's weird too, because like, sometimes when you're going back and watching these things, especially if you love something or if like these certain parts that you really liked or thought were whatever, like going back and watching it, you like want to get caught up in that. And so like yeah. sometimes with these films, I had to like, again, I was so like, oh, this aesthetic, this is so pretty, this is so pretty. And then I had to be like, no, 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 you're not just looking at this. You're like trying to analyze the story and analyze yeah. like, yeah. so I have to remind myself sometimes watching these things that no, 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 you're watching this with a purpose. And mm-hmm. you, you know, because like so much of it too is, the nostalgia factor and all of that. I mean, this whole fucking movie is nostalgia, right? <laughs> it's it's so funny that like we're doing a movie or like we do a podcast about nostalgia. But if anything is nostalgic, it's fucking Brad Bird's obsession with the white supremacy of the 60s and 70s in white America where white men were in charge. Like, go fuck yourself, Brad Bird. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, so- what an asshole (laughs) this guy wrote the script or whatever like five years before he pitched it all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and um something just to make you cringe a little bit it's based on a true story without all the superhero stuff of his life so he is mr incredible so like just the family dynamic the language because we 
we see this through Mr. Incredible's eyes 90% of the time, right? Oh, um, yeah. Which makes so much sense now. Uh, mm-hmm. When I read that, I was like, wow, yeah, that's why this is so gross. He's writing it from his perspective, from his real life experiences and things like that. So, you know, men like to see themselves in everything that they do. And yep. Incredibles is no different. Yep. And, and it's so emblematic of how selfish, self-centered fully lacking compassion, lacking empathy, lacking any sort of remorse or understanding for other people's life or existence or understanding his own sort of toxic traits that he's just sort of espousing on his family. Um, That tracks, that fully tracks because fuck him and fuck Mr. Incredible uh, so, so much. And God damn it, Dash sucks too because of Mr. Incredible. All right, so does Jack-Jack too. Yes. Um, Oh, my God. Yes. It took me like I'm not shitting you like probably four to six hours to get through (laughs) Incredibles 2 because I was like it was. Uh, Yeah. So um, I have a lot to say, too. And also these movies don't know what the fuck they're trying to say. No, they don't. um, They have no directive. They don't know what they want, what they really, really want. So. Let's tell, them what, they want, what they let's really, tell them really what they want. Let's tell them what we want. <laughs> let's tell them what we want. That wasn't fucking we... in these movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in an ambiguous 1970s American city where superhero work has been outlawed, undercover supers, the Parr family, try to blend in. After losing his job, being contacted by the Revive the Supers agency, and in an attempt to relive his glory days, Mr. Incredible goes to some faraway island to destroy some rogue robot. JK, LOL, it's a trap by Syndrome, a jilted super fan of Mr. Incredible who, in an attempt to seek revenge on his once hero, enacts a plan to give everyone power so supers will no longer be so super. Helen Parr and their children, Violet and Dash, Come to save the day and, in a big robot battle showdown in the city, the Incredibles, accompanied by a token character of color, destroy the robot and save the day. Also, their house blows up and being rich and white is how you win, apparently. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Yeah, so... What a mess. Yeah, 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 what a mess. Um, Where do we start with this? There's so much to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. Let's start with the power selection. They chose these powers for these specific gender roles. Okay, I'm super pissed about gender roles and all this other stuff in this oh, fucking yeah. movie. Um, and this is intentional. Like, like I read it somewhere too. It wasn't just like me being like, oh, is this? But no, it's like their powers are representative of their character of who they are. So the mom is flexible because she's emotionally flexible and good in any situation and can kind of like handle all of the things, right? Uh, The dad, he's just strong. He just punches things and is really hard-headed and a brute. Uh, The daughter doesn't And this is all like, so they think she doesn't want anybody to see her. So her power is literally, and this pissed me off the most, she can go invisible and she puts up walls, like force field walls, so she can't get hurt. And then the boy just runs really fast from everything. Dash is just like, all right, bye. Like, that's his fucking power is just he's so fast that nobody can catch him. And that's how he gets away from things. And then the baby just doesn't know what the fuck it's doing yet. So that's why he has all like, I mean, at the very end, he has like all of these different things that kind of manifest. But like, uh, 
these were just so gendered, but like the mom and especially the daughter just fucking pissed me off because like they're like, oh, she doesn't want to be seen. That's like all all teenage girls or whatever, right? They don't want to be seen. No, it's actually the fucking opposite. We want to be seen. We want to be recognized. Yeah. We want to be seen as strong. And she wants that dude to give a shit. Her whole motivation is getting a dude to like her, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. And it's just the putting up the invisible walls so she can't get hurt. Like, come on. Come on! Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? It's it's wild. It's almost like this was written by a man. Like the idea. The women are of, defensive. Cause yes, because women are defensive and want to be invisible and want and are the only flexible. Like this movie and franchise is so gendered and gross in its way it portrays the binary because it only exists within the binary. Gender is male or female, and that's it in this world. Which is like fuck off, Brad Bird. Like fuck off and so this whole idea that like she's the only flexible one and she's flexible which like to her credit yeah she was one of the only good characters in this movie where she's like she needs to leave him he's bad he is toxic he is garbage she's raising their kids she is empathetic she's understanding she's like even when she shouldn't be like hey i know you're going through something she's going through everything but she's the one to go to him and be like hey what can i do to help you when he's well, just being a brutish fucking baby. Yeah. And she also, like, the whole movie is making herself small so he can feel big. Yeah. So, like, she hides how badass she is. And she's always busy doing all of these things. And she's so delusional because, like, uh, at the very beginning of the film, she says, I'm at my peak. I'm not going to stop. I'm fucking awesome. I know what I am. I know what I'm doing. And then the next thing we see is like her having waited on the fucking altar for Mr. Incredible to show up because he's late again. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Left her at the fucking altar. And so now instead of her walking down the aisle, he is the one walking down the aisle getting all the, you know, the attention this this day that is supposed to if we're going down that like binary bullshit that like, you know, this universe subscribes to, like that's the day that every woman dreams of and all this other stuff, right? Yeah. He couldn't even let her have that. He took that away from her. Yeah. So like, okay, yeah, they're illegal now, whatever. So she's now the homemaker. She's the mom. Okay, fine. Yeah. But the whole time too, she finds out that her husband's lying to her and she doesn't like confront him right away or anything. She doesn't like try to talk to him about any of this right away. Like that's not the same person that we saw within the first five minutes of this movie, mm-hmm. you know? And that just leads me to um like this whole fucking movie is about Mr. Incredible. It's about yep. like everybody else has to make themselves small for him. They do. And like even look at her when she sees uh, Mr. Incredible with Mirage when they get to the island and he's getting saved and like oh my he god choke- so gross he chokes Mirage and she's like your family survived the plane crash and then he drops her and hugs her because he's happy his family is alive that's the moment where Elastigirl comes in the room and sees her and her instinct is to punch the girl no queen what and where's and- your husband been what has your husband been doing why is this other person the target like why in your writing brad bird did you make this moment where it's like oh he has nothing to do with it punch the girl like why yeah. what's the fuck then- what so she punches the girl and then he like starts pulling her in and she's like no get the fuck away from me no whatever and he's like 
but I'm just so happy you're alive. No, like, I'm sorry. No, like, I I didn't even, I don't even know if he said he was sorry about everything I don't think that he he'd did. done. Um, but, like, he's such a fucking gross character. He was, like, <sighs> so, like, he's uprooted his family how many times? Yeah. We we don't have a number, but we know it's multiple because he can't keep his hero dick in his pants. If you're forcing everybody else to live this life, why is it okay that you're the one that breaks it? Why are you just like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They don't fucking talk in this movie. They don't talk about anything. No. They're just kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess that's, you know, the, the 60s or whatever. The woman never can bring anything up and can never do anything. And He's just fine, you know, lying to her, going off and doing all this stuff and living the life of luxury while his family still has to be normal. Yeah. Like, he's super fine with that. So, I also, like, he is so ego-driven and celebrity-obsessed. Like, his whole thing is... I want to chase when I was popular. I want to chase when I was a celebrity. I want to chase this feeling of being wanted by the public. He is so driven by his own narcissism and his ego that he doesn't care about anybody else. It just it, it, It's sort of cyclical in that way where he doesn't care about his family, obviously, and he's just ego-driven, that whole thing. But even within that, like this idea of super power, the idea of power, I feel like is a really good analogy or is analogous with the sense of privilege, right? Like once mm -hmm. I unlocked that a little bit, this it just kind of opened everything, right? So like in this world, they are the privilege. They have the power. They're supposed to go into hiding and like Mr. Incredible, he's like, well, we are special and we deserve these things because he's almost structurally trying to designate themselves like well we worked for these things so we deserve it it's like no you didn't work for power these powers were given to you right. like they have nothing to do with work ethic or what you deserve or what others don't deserve and honestly i cited the whole time for the most part with syndrome obviously oh, there's a whole yeah. thing because he is like the equity king coming in and being like I'm going to give everybody superpowers so you guys aren't any different. So we're all on the same playing field. And they're trying to dismantle that to maintain their status quo of privilege. And specifically yes. of white privilege, right? In the society, they want to make sure that none of the laws get changed and nothing shakes up their standard of living because they're well off and they're white. Why would they want a different life? Why would they want other people to have power? They don't. So in my head this whole time, I'm like, oh, fuck the Incredibles. Like, let him destroy this. Like... Make things balanced and fair. It's a it's a conversation about privilege and equity. And Mr. Incredible is the villain of the story. And subsequently, yeah. Mrs. Incredible and the kids, like, they're, they are literally fighting to maintain their white privilege. They are the all lives matter, blue lives matter folk in this story. And For then, sure, blue lives matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, oh. oh, in the second one, it gets so worse with the whole cop oh, thing. And the body cam, oh my God, yep. fucking Christ. So, yep. but even in this one, like the understanding of privilege and of power in this, in this way, when Dash is caught putting the tack on the teacher's desk, the mom being like, hey, we get it. You have power. You can't do that. Fucking stop it. Like stop. And that's what, the fact that she won't let him go off for track. It's like, yeah, because he would cheat the whole time. It's unfair. It's unequitable. Like, let him run around the world, but don't compete for it because he's going to win every time. The mom knows that. The mom is trying to instill in her kids that like, yeah, we're privileged. We have 
this thing and we're not like other people. So we have to recognize she's trying to get her kids to recognize her privilege by not letting Dash go out for the team. And what does Mr. Incredible do the whole time? He's like, oh, how fast were you going? You got caught on camera and you didn't get in trouble. Oh, my God. It's like we can break the laws because we're special. Yes. It's like white people being like, well, I'm me. So I'm fine. Or like friends of cops or families of cops who can do whatever they want because they have an in. But when some young black kid looks at a cop the wrong way, he's dead. Right. Like that kind of bullshit. Mm -hmm. And this story, the heroes that we're looking at, the narrative structurally is trying to reinstill with us within us, the audience, that this is okay for them. Because Elastigirl, Mrs. Parr, at a certain point kind of gives up that instilling of we have a privilege let's like chill out a little bit because she is then written to be the jilted wife who is mad that her husband's lying to her and is downgraded back to just a jealous lover which is like Mm -hmm. really so you open this conversation because it's very clearly like a conversation about privilege with the mom trying to instill in the kids syndrome being like, it's going to be an even playing field, that whole bullshit. They completely dismiss and sort of ignore all of that about 45 minutes into the movie. And then they're just trying to fight the bad guy. But the bad guy is like a socialist who wants everyone to be on the same page and wants good for everybody well, to some degree. Yeah. Well, and it's so like, this is how Hollywood always writes socialism or writes people that are like, they're going about it in the wrong way, you know? And like, and I really hated that syndrome. Like he had some really good points and he had some excellent arguments and everything, but the way that he said them and the way that his, uh, like his dialogue and his tone and everything, it was all coming out of vengeance and out of being rejected by his hero and so it's like oh you fucked me over you didn't look at me you didn't do this so it's like oh look i'm being selfish like his whole character is supposed to be selfish but he is saying some of these like all of the things that he's saying like you know and the whole idea too about oh well i'm gonna make everybody special so nobody's special i want to unpack that because I think that there's so much room for nuance in talking about being special and being different and what does that mean? And yeah. just because if if everybody has something, like, that's great. Awesome. Everybody does have something. Yeah. But I hate that conversation of, like, normies versus this versus that, like... And that's very much what this was. And yeah, I oh yeah. had a really hard time with that because... Special has a lot like or, you know, what makes you special? What makes you an individual? What makes you Mm -hmm. what's your superpower? You know, like fucking cool. Awesome. But like just because you don't have perfect accuracy as a marksman or something like that, that that's not that's not a superpower necessarily. That that doesn't necessarily because you can hit things good doesn't mean that you are good and right and this this whole film had like it didn't know what it was trying to say about being right and justice and who is allowed to dispense that and the the next one i have a bigger conversation about that um like this this film like started a lot of little conversations yeah and the next one is where it's like it's gonna fucking go off and, i have to keep stopping goes, myself <laughs> and it goes off in the wrong direction yeah no i i fully agree that yeah like you said earlier, like none of this was nuanced and none of it was specific. It was all so generalized and broad. Like, like you said, specifically the word special, like I'm going to make it so everyone's special. So at the end of the day, nobody is. It's like, well, 
okay, are you going to talk about, like you said, individuality, the individuality of of non-supers versus supers, or are we just going to stick with the celebrity of what the supers are or what privileges they have within a society where there are supers? Like, what? Like, there, there, there really was nothing else to it besides that, which was so disappointing just because I, like, from what I remember, I was like, wow, this was so good. And then rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is bad like this is just boring this is bad storytelling and i will say i agree with you as far as like with syndrome the way he delivered all of his thoughts was terrible he to me was just an involuntarily celibate person like an incel who is essentially just being like well it's the world's fault that i'm mad and it's his fault that i'm gonna change things and i'm like shut like grow up come on really but his idea of equity was kind of spot on. Like, yeah, dismantle privilege, dude. That's sick. And let's talk about murder in the sense of the Incredibles hero's journey to upholding the privileges that they have. They're literally murdering people in front of their kids to make sure that when they get home, they still have their privilege. (laughs) Like... Literally killing people in front of their kids and encouraging their kids to kill these other people to uphold were they the privileges or were they that they like have. Incapa- doing a Batman incapacitate. Oh no! When they're on the island, those big circle discs are flying and they smash and blow oh, up fuck. with the people in them. And like even well, dashes I mean, on it and he jumps off and then the thing just smashes into another one and both of those people die. I'm like, oh cool. So you guys yeah. are just as fucking garbage as the the villain of this who we're supposed to consider the villain. Yeah. Well, and even like regardless, even if they are just incapacitated, you're like teaching your kids that violence is the answer and that this is the way and all this yep. other stuff. Like this whole thing is super gross. And I want to I, I want to go back just for a second, because are you familiar with Anne Rand? Yes. So this movie okay. was largely based on the Fountainhead, correct? No, no, it was not. And lots of people thought that and everything. Um, so like the concept of man as a heroic being with his own happiness, so the moral, whatever, all that stuff, right? Okay. Um, so anytime anybody's like, hey, Brad Bird, this, and he's like, no, not at all, whatever. Like it, he, he denies it. He denies it. But in the same way, it's like, because within the fountainhead, it, it sort of promotes the idea that in this world, there are very specific and special people. And I, I think I've never read the book. I only know sort of general generalities about it. Mm-hmm. But within that world, those special people are allowed to have good and big things because they get to control things. And at the end of the day, they want to sort of congregate and disappear from regular society because of their specialness. And I use that very specifically within this because of their specialness they want to go to some sort of isolated place where they will not be bothered by the um plebs i guess is a good word to use (laughs) um you know what i mean so i think generally the this idea of like a specialness and a power that this movie sort of dictates through its narrative i i guess could resonate with that a little bit i again he denies that it has anything to do with it, you said? Yeah, he does. And I also haven't read the works of Anne Rand either, so I don't know. Yeah. But I I remember when I was searching stuff up, it was like, people have talked to him about this, but nope. And so I guess that's a big deal to, to mention. But like, I feel like even if he did derive any sort of inspiration from that, he's not the kind of person that would be like, yeah, I read that. And I thought, 
I thought this. Like, he's not that kind of person, I don't think. I think he'd be like, no, this came from my brain. Like, think of how, like, Mr. Incredible would yeah. would do it, right? Like, this is mine, and I don't even know who that person is. You know? Yeah, I don't know who Anna Rained is, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I oh. maybe whatever. <laughs> like, shut up. Also, super, super, super fun while we're on the topic of um, fun facts. The animators made Syndrome look like Brad Bird on purpose, a hundred thousand percent on purpose because the schedule for the film required them to work super late hours and all this other stuff for them to like make it out on time. And so they made him uh, look like the boss and the boss didn't realize that it was him until it was way too late and he was so pissed. Really? Yeah, and I love that. I love that I that's love that like too. just a like, uh, like, oh yeah, you're paying so much attention to all of this. Here, look. Okay, and I'm, I imagine like the animators are just like, Fucking, let's just see what happens. Let's just yeah. let's just keep this going. You know? Yeah. Oh, let's I push would this it. as far as we can. But I love that, and I, I love that, that was too. Really great. Because I think developing a story like this, I would be also like, what the fuck is this about? Isn't that interesting that he like Brad Bird like wrote Mister Incredible as himself when the people that were working with him and on this saw him as the villain? Yeah. Well, in, in some degree, he kind of told on himself, too, because he is the villain of this story. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. If he's like, that's actually me. I'm the hero. It's like, oh, are these character oh, attributes Stevie. also a part of who you consider yourself to be? Well, yeah, I, I'm Mr. Incredible. Cool, cool, cool. Got it. Great. Good to know. Do you think that the family like had the last name Parr because they're on par or then there's subpar or so like as a way to like distinguish like uh where they're at uh, or above par or whatever possibly what i theorize more so is it's a golf term because white people <laughs> love golf uh and i'm sure he took many golf trips when he was hard at work making this movie so probably um, yeah either either way and whether it's emblematic of being on par or above par in some capacity as opposed to subpar or golf. Like, I, he sucks. His story sucks. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> okay. So, I also was extremely confused about, about Mr. Incredible just in general. Because at the very core of himself, he's, like, supposed to be good and he wants to do good. And that's all he wants to do, Right. But at the mm -hmm. same time, like, our first introduction to him is like, oh, God, why can't the world just stay saved? And then he's like, oh, well, I still have time. I still have time to do this hero thing. I still have time to do this hero thing to the point to where he's late to his own wedding, right? Yeah. So he's like, he's one of those shitty people that just complains like, oh, God. But then it's like, oh, but I get to do all these things. And then he has like a horny hero dick like for his whole life and it's just like cool I'm gonna go and I'm gonna save people because it's the right thing to do okay so I was doing the right thing even though yeah. I hurt all of these people or even though my family suffering because of all this stuff I have to do good because it's the right thing to do when yeah. he doesn't care at all about money or about the lives that he impacts or about anybody or anything like literally what he sees as good and this is a, a bigger conversation about justice and who gets to deliver justice and what justice is and who gets to decide that um by trying to save this person from being mugged he 
destroys like he wastes all of these like millions of dollars like from taxpayers right and he also puts his family in emotional turmoil and he also does this and he also does this but his like big defense is like but I'm a good guy. I'm just trying to do good things. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, why are you trying to do that when like the only reason he tries to save other people is not because it's the right thing to do is because that's how he gets validation. That's how he's able to like sleep at night. It's like, oh, well, cool. I did this. I did this good thing today. You know, like, and then he like when he's not doing good, he's like, whatever. And then once he gets that like hero gig for syndrome, he's like, oh, cool. And then suddenly him and uh, the misses are banging again. And now he's not like, you know, overweight anymore. And then this and yeah. it's like he's impotent unless he's able to dispense his form of justice and just to be who he wants to be without consequence. Yeah, he wants to choose how and when he gets to deliver his own form of justice with no repercussion or consequence, right? Like, I will argue there was only one scene where I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. When he worked at the insurance agency and that old lady was like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, oh, here's all of our loopholes. Fuck this company. Please go and get the health insurance you deserve from this company. And I was like, you know what? Good for you. In my head, I was like, that is the most heroic thing you've done this entire movie. It really like, is. Th- that that idea where like, if you in this moment can gain some sort of goodness from this interaction, which he obviously does, he's very excited that he can help her. Like, he's like, hell yeah, like I love this. The small win. Why do you have to then be this other what we like what in mainstream we're supposed to believe is like heroic like destroying all this stuff for the sake of whatever beating all the bad guys like why why can't you exist within that realm of of self-satisfaction in these small moments of heroism the one thing that you really did that was like actually good why not keep doing that sir well and it's like a question of like is it because he's not doing the masculine thing is it because he's not making himself feel big yep And so when he does feel big, when he does feel powerful is when he's, you know, it's not when he's helping the old lady with the cat or doing this. It's when he's beating the shit out of something. And that makes him feel like a big man. And that's when he is suddenly interested in not his wife as a person, but boning his wife. Fine. His kids, whatever. He kind of like because any interaction that he really has with them, it's all so cold or so distant or anything yeah. you know until until maybe they get to the island when they're maybe a bit more interested in each other but he's interested because they have powers he's interested because they're able to see him as big daddy man you know he's interested in them because they reflect a version of himself that he likes to see because it's ego driven yes. he wants yes. to see himself and in, in these people in his life and the only time he's interested in those people in his life is when they look like him how fast and- did you run dash fuck yeah and then mom's like what the fuck and he's what the like fuck, dude uh, yeah this yeah. is not a good thing to teach our son what are you doing but i like how that's like the only time he's interested in his kids it's only dash because he's the boy so he sees himself in that moment as like the young whippersnapper whatever heartbreaker mm-hmm. whatever other you like garbage phrases he sees himself in that moment as him and he's like wow like that's so cool and blah 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 and boys 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 and beer 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 and blah 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 like he doesn't give a shit about his daughter. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's trying everything he can to get away from his real life. Yeah. 
You know, like he's just like, cool, I'm going to lie to everybody. Everybody trust me. That's fine. I'm going to go exploit that shit. And I'm going to go play hero. Truly. And like even when he gets caught sneaking back in from saving all those people in the burning building and the building falls down, Mm -hmm. she reminds him that their kid is graduating from one of his grades. And he says they keep finding new ways to celebrate mediocrity. Yes. Um, and that's his excuse as to why he doesn't want to go. And then he's like, why don't you let her son try out for sports? And she's like, because it's not fair. And he's like, he would be great at it. She's like, that's cheating. Robert. He doesn't what care. The f- he doesn't care. And that goes into that the conversation about like, after that conversation, they completely dismiss any sort of semblance of a conversation about equity and about privilege where she's like, no, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, whatever. And then they fight about it. And then after that, it's all she cares about is the fact that he might be fucking some other girl. And you're like, really? She catches him lying and her response isn't like, what the fuck? She's like, I love you so much. Hoping that he's going to see her and that he's going to see the life that he has and, yeah. and like that instead of trying to look somewhere else. So she doesn't like, ah, it was so bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. I also hate how white this movie is. Like, yeah, it's 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 interesting that even in a world in an animated world where you're creating the characters, you're creating the people from scratch. Even then, people of color don't get the callback. Even then, even Just then, it's Samuel all white. L. Jackson, <laughs> except the one token black guy you need in there for. Reasons and we that never make see you feel guilty. Wife. We hear his wife. We never oh. see his wife. And like the way that they wrote her and her dialogue, she's oh my. a caricature, you know, of. Ugh. Well, it's yeah. it's the reiterative ugh. angry ugh. black woman stereotype yeah. that is so garbage and perpetuated in so much media, oftentimes written by white people, which is like, why? But not only that, she doesn't even deserve screen time. Like, not only is the, yeah. she this trope of a person but even in this moment she doesn't deserve to be on screen you know what i mean and that's my big problem with the other ones in the next one they try to do this fun and we'll get to it they try to do this fun like playback of that same scene where she's like off screen yelling but that movie is a movie about quote unquote feminism and even in the feminist version of this story she still does not deserve to be on screen and specifically white feminism because in this story only white women are important not any women of color so that's that's a whole other thing and we'll get into well, that and then. feminism <laughs> is is the overall bad guy in the same way that socialism is the bad guy uh, in this one feminism oh is the bad guy in the other one yes so, oh my god i'm so uh, excited to talk about the next one <laughs> That was made in 2018, y'all. Yeah, the the oh. second one was made in 2018, which, like, I mean, it's not surprising, and I'll say why it's not surprising when we get into it. But, yeah, so Frozone in this, he's there at the very beginning, and he's there at the very end. They don't include him at all in anything apart from the beginning and the end, because, again, why do we want to see black characters in our media brad bird right like that i feel like is the implication of his inclusion and exclusion is they're writing it around this idea that like we're gonna get flack for not having any characters of color in this okay well let's put the black superhero here and it's just again it's reiterative tokenization of 
of people of color. And it's so like when it's done so drastically and, and, and caustically it's, it's, it's just so clear that this is the tokenization of, 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 of an entire group of people. It's so disheartening and troublesome and just like, it shades everything in a completely different light because you're like, well, if you're writing this story around whiteness and white people, or rather, you're writing this story only thinking about whiteness and white people, why do I care? Yeah, and it's also like, even if like they're trying to be like, this is a callback to 1950s, whatever, <laughs> and this is also like where you know we're being historically accurate or all this other stuff. Um, we've been going through Westworld here at my house, and yeah, uh, like that that has its problems. It has its great moments, uh, but one of the things that I love about that show is nobody's horny for purity. I guess in like you know the fact that. We have people of color throughout this entire show. We have women who are in prominent like law enforcement and stuff like that that are yeah. like sheriffs that are this like in a Western setting. Right. Yeah. And it f- is so fluid and it doesn't like I've never once been like, no, no, that's not how this would be. That's not how this is going to be. And it's also not questioned within the narrative. It's not celebrated within the narrative. It just is. And that's, I think, a great way to be like, cool, we can all inhabit multiple positions. We can all, you know, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. And this was just very um, reiterative of of those gender norms of like uh, the racial stereotypes of all the stuff. It was not interested in reinventing the real. It wanted to make it look pretty and shiny. Yeah. They weren't interested in it at all. They wanted to make sure it, it was sellable and white cells. You know what I mean? With Disney. <laughs> with Oh, with Disney white cells. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's just, it's frustrating. And the sequel doesn't, alleviate any of my frustration in fact it just enrages it more like because there is inclusion in the second one but like the way they included characters of color into it is just so fucking gross with the narrative that it's sort of the backdrop to and i don't like white people need to stop writing for characters of color like just end of the day hire some black writers there are creatives in every demographic, in every community, in every culture, there are creatives. We like, th- they're there. Hire some. Hire, <laughs> stop hiring white men. Like, stop hiring white men to do everything and be like, well, maybe this, let's get a black consultant on this. Like, no, hire black writers, hire writers of color, hire, hire anybody hire but women. white men. Hire women, you know? Maybe like, then, like, the, we wouldn't have these gross stereotypes. We wouldn't, <sighs> all of the women in this movie were cautious and scared. That was their whole character. They were there to support and to question. And the yeah. men were overconfident and didn't think. And then, like, like you said there's a black guy like that's there sometimes and something that i i also have a really hard time with is so often it's either like there's the token black characters and there's this but then we also forget like where's the asian representation where is yeah anybody other than there's so many other characters that white people should not inhabit and let's just let's open this shit up yeah let's open the, this the, pit up just <laughs> Just the fact that white is default just solidifies the fact that 
we live in a white supremacy. We live in a society that favors white skin. We live in a place where if you're anything other than white and male bodied, you have it harder than the rest, you know? And so it's just like, uh, I don't even really know what else to say. Cause there's not much to say about Frozone because he's there's not because he's not there. He's not there. He's billed as like one of the lead superheroes in this. And then he's not in the movie. He's not well, in this and movie. Also, he inhabits that other token role where people of color are the voice of reason, right? Yeah. So, like in the beginning, like you know when oh uh, when they go and they're like listening to the scanner, he's like, "Dude, we should stop doing this." Like, hey, are he's trying to be there and be supportive of his friend, but he's also trying to be like, "Hey." you need to just live your life, you know, like this yeah. is not okay. We don't need to do this anymore. And like that just, that sucks that he was just such a stereotype of a character. Yeah. Yeah. So even the, even the moments that he was there, he was thrown into this trope of wise black man or, or some other stereotypical version of what white people see as black characters or as the only, ver- like, I am so mad about how white and shitty this movie is. Like I, and it's, I mean, I'm not surprised that I loved it when I was a kid because I mean, in this society, I have so much privilege by the way I look. And I understand that. So for me seeing like these white characters, I was like, oh wow. Which is why like, again, representation matters, which I have so much to say about that in the next one. Same. And why they don't, there's no follow through on these ideas. Like, it's in writing these movies, it felt like they wanted to get credit for an idea without actually enacting or or sort of envisioning or 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 creating the idea. They they wanted to just put it on the table and be like, actually, what if it was representation? Or actually, what if yes. feminism? Or actually, yes. what if this? They want to get credit for having put the idea on the table. No queen, you gotta make the thing. Like, you have to take that idea and make something out of it. It's just an idea. You don't get credit for a fucking idea. You get credit for the creation of the thing. Well, and like, it's also, instead of showing the idea, they'd be like, oh, but what if? And then they would show the complete opposite. So I couldn't tell if this was trying to find ways to celebrate mediocrity or if it was, you know, like dissing mediocrity. Yeah. If it was hating capitalism or if it was only hating it when you're not doing the quote-unquote right thing so they deserve to be in that but like he felt like he deserved that position of wealth right and then is it bad for everybody to be special or is it good if it's only just a few they spent like fucking 10 minutes on a collective fat joke that did not end right and then yeah. Edna has that moment where she is talking shit on supermodels and how shitty they are. So if you're overweight, if you're underweight, you fucked. But if you're perfectly in the middle, you're fine. Yeah. Well, also, we didn't even get into any of the discussion about class that they were trying to kind of talk about. Again, it's only kind of because they didn't fucking follow through. But even in that moment when Mr. Incredible loses his job because he punches what's his name through the wall, his boss. Mm-hmm. he hates his job right he wants to be a super all this stuff but every time he's at this job like he thinks this is the job's beneath him like so to him he's like i'm special 
when when this and again this this dude of short stature he's a short guy who's talking down to him he doesn't like being talked down to because he's big man he's big strong special man who needs to be on the top who needs to be told he's special who needs who needs adoration who needs celebrity who needs fame who needs wealth because he is special because he worked for it no not at all in that moment he hates being talked down to because he doesn't deserve that and what they justify that as being is he sees this robbery happening he's like i need to go help them right now and blah 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 and the thing that sets him off is essentially he says like the bad guy got away and then his boss is like yeah bad things happen all the time or something i think he also said something like Hopefully he has our insurance or something. Oh yeah, but like it was, uh, it was just extremely dismissive of what was happening and yeah. of big man's feelings. But like at the same time, he's also super dismissive of everybody else's feelings. So it's okay for him to f- to have and express these feelings of anger and frustration and everything. But like you know, when his feelings are not being validated. But it's not okay when somebody like Violet does that or it's not okay when his wife does that. Like yep. he doesn't see past his own emotions and uh, the scope of how it affects him directly, not even his family, but him directly. Yeah. Well, like look at the action of him throwing that guy through all of those walls. Some other superhero could see that and be like, that guy's a villain. Exactly. His action, his, his action of violence is so unindicative of anything just like his idea of what is like what is justice in this system like it's so convoluted and as a viewer we're seeing this man as a hero but it's like he can kind of do whatever he wants and hurt or do anything in the name of quote-unquote justice which i guess is sort of the premise of like why superheroes are bad but even in this story we're looking at a protagonist who is the epitome of this thing Mm-hmm. of pro-violent uh unique he, like he's so boring i fucking hate him <laughs> i also do i hate him a lot yeah and um you know what avengers told the story and they told it better yeah i mean to some degree fuck all superheroes i'm like so tired of <laughs> every fucking superhero like i just superheroes are fucking cops that's all they are they're cops with spandex and i'm like cool great like fuck uh uh we should do a superhero movie next (laughs) we should oh my god (laughs) Um, like yeah so um (laughs) did you know that edna was voiced by brad bird i guess not no i didn't yeah, he had tried out other people for her, but then uh, eventually, like, they decided that he was just going to voice her himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also the voice of reason in this whole thing, too, yeah. right? She's like, you're a Lasta girl. Pull yourself together. And yeah. she's also like, I never look back because I'm here in the now and all this other stuff, right? So um, <laughs> we have... The holy trinity of Brad Bird here as the hero, the villain, and the voice of reason, yep. which made me laugh really hard. Um, That's actually fantastic. <laughs> God, uh, talk about a narcissistic narrative. Jesus Christ. Fucking right? That's crazy. I love that. <laughs> um, And so then 
I also wanted to talk about the two dudes at the end who I think I heard are, were supposed to be like some of Walt's night old men or whatever, but they were like, there's no school like the old school because uh. this movie is horny for the 1960s and that's just what they want and they just want that real bad because- This movie is horny for racial segregation is what this movie is <laughs> horny for. That is all this movie is horny for. <laughs> oh no and gender stereotypes and oh my god it's yeah. <laughs> 1950s um i will say though i still love edna mode as loki is problematic as she can come off at times Fucking i love her she she is my favorite character in both movies she is so cool so cute so, so confident so confident she's so fucking sick i loved her and i also want to point out the queer canon of this movie is when she's on the phone with mr incredible the fireplace that's behind her is an aquarium and it's a bunch of these butterfly fish uh swimming past a red light so it makes it looks like flames and i was like that fireplace is queer canon for this film (laughs) that is like the gayest coolest oh oh gorgeous like what a i love it and it looked great too oh my god Hell yeah that fireplace was it <laughs> i fucking her character is the best one uh, out of the entire fucking movie she's always confident she's always calling people on their bullshit she also yeah. knows that she's good and she's like look mm-hmm. you are gonna come to me for your fucking costume look and she doesn't like uh it's also so interesting because she knows what people want, even though they themselves don't know what they want. Uh, yes. Because she's like, okay, cool. Like, and he's like, no, 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 just the old one is fine. And she's like, you're living in the past. You need to live in now. I'm going to make you a new suit. And she like yeah. also like correctly predicted, like she just made the kids suits. It wasn't like they asked her to do it. She's just like, oh, cool. I got it here. By the way, I did this. By the way, here's this. Like, and she never yeah. gets a thank you. She never does anything. She just, she does it because. She wants to. She just knows what everybody wants or what everybody I, needs. I also like that it's just under the guise of like, I'm an artist, darling. I know these things. Fuck I'm yes. like, yeah, dude. Fuck you're so yes. she's so cool. She was the coolest part of this movie. Oh my god, she was so great. I, I forget about her sometimes, and I'm like every time I think about her, I'm like, Yeah, man, Edna was the coolest. <laughs> like in the next movie too. Like she was just like <sighs> Her and Jack-Jack, like that whole thing, it was so... The whole shit was so good. So wonderful. So wonderful. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about the next one? Is there anything else we want to talk about with this one? No, I think we've exhausted this one. I'm so ready to talk about the next one. Okay, let's do it. Cool, let's do it. Picking up exactly where the first movie left off, the Incredibles get arrested after their confrontation with the Underminer. With no home and no options, they are approached by telecom mastermind Winston DeVore and his sister Evelyn, who, riddled with nostalgia, are looking to rebrand the Supers and make hero work legal again. Utilizing body cams and the Elastigirl image, Helen goes to the big city while Mr. Incredible stays home with the kids. Elastigirl saves the day by thwarting the evil plans of the screen slaver, hashtag girl boss vibes, while Mr. Incredible struggles with what would be considered female responsibilities, hashtag feminism, hashtag breaking the stereotype. Oh no, it turns out Evelyn was evil all along and is using hypnotism to convince the public that supers are no good. The Incredibles save the day, a billion dollar home gets destroyed, a billion dollar boat gets destroyed, and so many white characters. 
Hooray! <laughs> Gotta love white characters. Do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's just so many of them. Hashtag breaking the stereotype. <laughs> that made me oh. quite a bit when I was reading that. I was like, holy shit. It's so silly. But I felt so... Those were so goofy because I felt like that was the tone of this movie. It was like, see, we get it. We're breaking the stereotype. Feminism. Also this. And it's like... Also feminism is bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's doing nothing that it's proposing. It, it's again, it's a Walmart ad for gay pride. It's a Walmart ad for feminism. It's a Walmart ad for inclusivity. And like, representation. That and representation. super patronizing moment where it's like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Where oh. um, Void goes up to Elastigirl and like it was like, great, cool. So you're, this is what you think you are doing for women right now. Because yeah. Elastigirl is front and center. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to start fully at the beginning and just to like get some things out of the way structurally where they're bringing up ideas and then completely dismissing them. So after the big fight with Underminer, everything happens. Frozone's there. He disappears. He's like, I'm out of here. Bye. The Incredibles get arrested. Later on, he shows up. They ask him, where did you go? And he says, don't be mad at me because I know when to leave a party. And besides, I knew they'd let you guys go. So... That line oh, is implying yeah. is implying racial injustice and systematic inequality against marginalized groups, against black folks, against any non-white people. So as a black man, he is telling them that, like, I knew that you guys would be let go. I wouldn't. That's the implication of this line. Cool. So we're setting it up to know that in this world, there is racial injustice, right? We don't go anywhere with that. We don't talk about it. Nope. What we go into is them essentially becoming cops because they go to this telecom folks, the siblings who are like, we want to make a better name for supers. What better way than adding body cams to your super suits so the world can see you're not bad guys? This movie came out in 2018. This movie is talking about cops. This movie is talking about rebranding the image of cops as not black people killers, but as the good superheroes, this movie is fucking pro cop. Like uh -huh. straight up. That's all this fuck. Like what? Are you kidding me? In 2018, you're making a movie where superheroes have to wear body. Like what? It's also weird the way that they treat politicians where they're like, politicians don't get it, but we do. And there's a specific line where it says they don't understand people that do good just because it was right. So implying that they should be above the law. And that's that's a huge yeah. fucking thing with this is they want to be above the law to do what is good and what is right. But then what is good and what is right and who gets to decide that? And in that and in those very white choices that these people are making, how is that affecting these marginalized groups? How is that affecting anybody that is not wealthy? How is that affecting people that aren't men? You know, yep. um, and so... I had the biggest problem with this movie because, yeah, it is extremely pro-crop in a way like it It just it really felt it was really hard. I stopped this movie like every five minutes to write shit down or because yeah. I was like, what the fuck? 
Well, because like you're establishing in that first scene that there's racial injustice. He knows it. Everyone knows it. But then we're just going to skate over that. It's like now he's a cop, wears a body cam. Let's change the image. Like, Oh, she. Okay. Because they're centering Elastigirl in this one, right? So Yes, 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 the, yes, yes. That's cool because like we're feminist. We're showing Mrs. Incredible. And look at, look at how hard her life is as a housewife. And look at how hard her life because she has to be empathetic and she has to do all this other stuff. And God forbid this man knows how to talk to his fucking children. You know, God forbid he knows how to cook dinner or put a fucking baby to bed. God, yeah. like I fucking hate when like they like by trying to break all of these uh these gender norms they're just they're normalizing it even further and then it's like when he does a good job it's like daddy gets a cookie because daddy did a great job when meanwhile mom did this for how long and fucking was awesome at it and one of the things i love about elastigirl in certain parts of this movie i'll say is we get this picture of her that we didn't know existed before because in the previous movie we saw her in the very beginning like i kick ass i'm at the top of my game cool and then she gives everything up to be a mom and to be a homemaker right and then like you know all of a sudden she gets to be in the spotlight and her husband is uh well we'll get into his like uh well whatever i guess but she gets on the (laughs) bike and he's like can you even ride one of these and she's like uh yeah there's things you don't know about me and so like to me i was like that's really interesting because there's a couple moments where she she does something like that or she says something like that where she like has been making herself small this entire time that we've seen her on screen. And when we yeah. get these little nuggets, it's like, ooh, I do want to know about that. I do want to see you kick ass. And the only time that we really genuinely see her excited beyond anything is when she's telling her husband about the fight that she was in. Right. Because she felt like she could take care of herself again. And she was the one she was the one that finally got attention again. And she never was allowed to have this moment of joy. But even in that moment of joy, right, like right after that, it's like she's beating herself up because even though she got the person, she didn't get him. You know, she saved the day and there was like no casualties or no whatever, but she still didn't get him. So she can't let herself have these small victories, whereas her husband would have been like, fuck yeah, I did it. I'll get him another day. It's fine. You know, job well done. All right. Clocking out, going to go to bed. And she's just like racking her brain trying to figure. So again, they were still stereotyping that. It's frustrating, (laughs) but what to me was even further frustrating was like, because the narrative of this quote unquote pro feminist storyline was so apparent, it dismissed everything that wasn't that anything. Oh, sorry. Let me be very, let me be more clear. White feminism. Yes. It was everything that was white. Like, so rich white feminism, rich white feminist. Exactly. So her moment of joy, her first time back in it, they go to the city and it's like, we're rebranding you. She's like, hell yeah. She's finding joy in being put in the, and I quote, Smack in the middle of the worst crime area in the city. So we've already established in this movie that there is racial prejudice and systemic inequality. She's finding joy in the idea of possibly killing a poor brown person or putting somebody who has been disenfranchised their whole life for stealing like five bucks or doing some small crime. She wants to be there and be like, I'm going to stop this. 
this rich white feminist is trying to show up in this poor community, catch them doing something, and put them behind bar. Like, fuck Elastigirl. Well, I'm going to push back just a slight bit because she's actually put there by a richer white dude, right? Yes. Because, and they don't do a good job of showing this. I feel like this would have been a more compelling argument if they were like, cool, her family is having to suppress who they are. They, it is hurting them as a family. Cause also they don't fucking talk about anything that happened. No. They don't talk about like there's, especially like mom and dad, there's no sorry. There's no none of that. Right. So, but yeah. it's apparent that everybody is hurting because they have to hide who they are. And that's really, uh, difficult. Right. Yeah. So, okay. If you want to make it about that and then you're trying to make it so your family is accepted. Okay, but then also she's leading another richer ass white man's crusade. And so she is just doing what he tells her to do when he tells her to do it. So she in this independence that she's feeling and in the spotlight and everything, she's just another puppet for another person. And then it turns out that she's also a puppet for another woman and it's like, ugh. But, yeah. but in that yeah. moment, in that moment, even though, yes, she was put there by this person, she is like luxuriating on her bike. She is finding so much joy in the idea of being there in this poor community, in this quote unquote crime infested community mm. to catch somebody. So she's just as culpable. Like at that point, again, we're ha- like you're, they're opening small doors to these conversations about inequality and 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 that kind of stuff, but they never step through them. So in this moment, why doesn't she step back and be like, "Why are we in the poor community? Why are we doing this here? Don't you think we should be looking at these other- like push back, Queen? Come on, like yeah, we all make choices, <laughs> and she made a choice to just exactly. say like, okay, she made a choice that benefits her because yes. this is going to be an easy win. No matter who it hurts and no matter who it drags down, it's an easy win for her to maintain her place of privilege. But she is also the easy win herself. So that's why she's there. So she's in the place that's an easy win as the easy win herself. Yeah. And also the person that puts her there. Let's talk about that brother. Let's talk about that nostalgic son of a bitch who is like super clean cut and is super like... The supers. My dad died because he believed in the supers. And you're like, all right, calm down. Like, it's fine. And then he was like, he has these like little fucking lines where like he was talking about, we're going to go here. There's so much crime. There's all this. It's a superhero's playground because he's so far removed from it that these people and their lives, like you were saying, stealing $5 or doing this or like that is a playground for people to dispense what they feel is their justice, right? And then after that, Elastigirl's like, yeah, but we're still illegal. So again, above the law, trying to be like, hey, like, no, 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 it's fine. He says, oh, I know the police commissioner. It's fine. Yeah. We can do like, this because we're above the law. Yeah, no, it's it's cool because he has so much money and so much power. And he's just like, yeah, no, it's fine. It doesn't matter. But but I mean, even even in that, like, I will still bat back against Elastigirl being an asshole completely in this because she doesn't even bat an eye against that. Like she's supposed to be against any injustice, right? Like she's supposed to be delivering justice. She's like, oh, I agree. I'm here yeah. helping. So she doesn't bat against that. She's like, isn't this bad? And he's like, I know the police commissioner. Oh, okay, cool. That's illegal, Queen. Like that's that's bad. Like that Five is injustice. Five minutes ago, 
she had this conversation with her kids about like yes uh she was like well there's like her husband was the one that was like well we gotta do this to change the law and she's like there are laws to change the laws we don't need to do this and then like five minutes later she's like oh wait i get to be the star oh oh i get to be this person and yes a lot of that, I think she agreed with it was, yes, white feminism, but also she had been small for so long and never even been allowed to, like, take up any emotional space in her husband's life or in anything. And she's had to, like, even their conversation about, like, well, it's okay. You've worked in the private sector for a while. I can work in the private sector. And he's like, no, 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 I'm the man, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, it's my turn. Let, let me help. And so yeah. this is, I, I think... I would like to think that some of it was also her getting back at him. But then again, like all she was doing was not really thinking about why she was doing it or how she was going about doing it, but just her her own motivations, which were completely selfish. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, she was small for so long and I get it. I get this is your moment, your time to shine. But what it rings so emblematic in this white story is she is willing to take that opportunity at the expense of a poor, less white person. She's willing to take that moment for herself to be an independent person and to 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 bask in what she knows is her own strength at the expense of poor brown folks. And then let's get into the even <laughs> more shitty feminist, white feminist in this, who is the sister. I don't even remember her name, but she is... Oh, Evelyn? Evelyn, yeah. Evelyn. So while her brother is very clean cut, very like good old boy looking, right? She is just kind of like, has like mangy hair, is kind of like unkempt, kind of whatever. And she's the intellectual and she's more of like, I think they're trying to present her as more of like the militant feminist, right? Because she doesn't care who she hurts or what she does, like, because the means justify the ends and nobody else matters. And she's sacrificing even this woman that we could have been friends, like, you know, like all these fucking lines. And in a lot of ways, she's more true to who she is just because she's not pretending that she's doing this for other people. She knows that she's doing this for her. Yeah. You know? I mean, again, at the end of the day, I empathize with her more (laughs) than everybody else. Like when, okay, when Evelyn has... Elastigirl tied to the frozen chair in the frozen room. And Elastigirl's essentially like, I counted on you. And Evelyn's like, that's why you failed. Why would you count on me? Because I built know you me. a bike. Yeah. You don't know me. <laughs> We're not friends. We don't know each other. It's been a day. And I it's love that. so emblematic of like <laughs> this idea of like to me, and this is how I read this, is this sort of camaraderie of whiteness where she's like, Well, you're you're like me, so I trust you. She's like we don't know each other queen like we don't know each other at all what the fuck makes you think that like i'm to be trusted we met yesterday like yeah i I thought that was so funny where she's like i don't know you (laughs) i loved that so much oh Uh, my god it was so good I, i mean obviously she was still trash like the whole idea of like her not liking the supers because the supers killed her parents Dude, the supers didn't kill your parents. Like, people broke into your home. It seemed very simple and silly. And I was like, some, again, some of the ideas that she was like, 
talking about justice. But again, it's coming from this incredibly wealthy white person who's talking about injustice. And so fuck her completely. Also, so continuing on this sort of white feminist narrative of the story, I feel like this Brad... Brad Bird tried to pat himself on the back in so many moments with this movie to be like, ha, feminism win, girl boss, blah. Like, I get it because women. And it felt so bad and silly and just like, what? Like, there's even a scene later, they include a commercial for, it was a commercial that was on TV when they were going to the broadcast of uh, all the nations sort of signing this bill saying, supers are okay to practice again and it was like this guy cooking it's like so easy even he can do it and i'm like yeah cool yeah sure but in my head i can just feel him being like yeah think about that america and being like you're so silly like that is the (laughs) most simple boring bi-gendered thing it's so simple and like so unthoughtful because i'm like yeah sure let's talk about this but it seems like i love a story where elastigirl's the lead she was way more interesting than him in the first one i am so on board for this but again it's a story about women written by a man and i'm just like you don't have a frame of reference to write any of this like Mm -hmm. what do you what do you mean like so a, a lot of it to me it just felt so disingenuous and so incredibly flat incredibly incredibly flat flat. (laughs) just all all of the the sort of the feminist stuff felt so flat it felt so unthoughtful it felt like in the 90s and like early 2000s when we had a lot of like the depictions of feminism and i'm thinking specifically of like there's this episode of the powerpuff girls where the bad guy is like or the bad girl is this, uh, this femme and like the feminist, uh, the woman symbol is like every, it's on her clothes. It's the shape of her gun. It's the shape of her mask. It's all this. And yeah. she says some super, super smart stuff. But again, she is like, she's portrayed in the same way. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like she's so shallow and she's also written her dialogue is to be bad or is to be misinterpreted. It's, it's like, it's like somebody watched a Fox News piece on what feminism is and then was like, oh, yeah, that's what this is. And then they wrote a character based on Fox News's perception of feminism. You know, which Loki, I would believe Brad Bird did. <laughs> like, for, yeah. <laughs> well, and so, like, while you're talking about like feminism and everything, for me, that's not what this film was at all because, like, I felt, and maybe it's because I was so fucking mad about Mr. Incredible. I felt like Elastigirl, whatever, is like getting her moment, but like a bigger part of the story, I think, was centered around the dude. So even in this film where they're trying to like hear, hear women, hear feminism, hear all of this, and they're it's still about Mr. Incredible. They're still making about him and how yep. it's hard. And they had they had an excellent opportunity with his character in this to explore and to ask tough questions and to look inside of himself and to really excel at this and to 
be a better person and for him yes. to grow. He did not do any of that. Instead, I he know. avoided all of the hard questions because he didn't want to look inside of him. Like his kids were asking him all of these tough things and he's like, yo, whatever. And he was doing that because he doesn't want to have to like, you know, you were, uh, we talk about a few times on this podcast, uh, the unexamined life. Like he's yeah. there and he benefits from all of this privilege and all these other things. So of course he doesn't want to think about that. Like he is, he's trying to solve all of the problems in the same way, like e- emotionally in the same way that he solves all of the bad guy problems, which is with brute force and just right there and all of this. And that doesn't work. So, okay. There's a cool way for him to start learning through that and everything. Does yeah. he? fucking no instead no. his kids have to adapt to that and his baby bonds with somebody else and his kids kind of like become that person like they don't become that person for each other instead they fall into their uh their own gender roles that are assigned to them the monkey see monkey do thing like the way that they parent in this pisses me off so much because it's like at the end of the last movie it was like cool we're super family and then it's like we're not going to do this ever again, pushing that down like, you know, well, we did it before. Why can't we do it now? It's like, oh, well, because we can't. Don't worry. And then they go off and do it themselves. Like they're such fucking hypocrites in the way that they parent and in the way that they trivialize their children's emotions, especially Violet, who like she's like breaking down and Dash says, is this adolescence? And <laughs> like they're they're just trivializing and making her her whole world at that point so small because guess what violet's main fucking conflict is this is a boy yeah is a fucking boy and then even at the end in the very final fight she's like look i know that i can come help and fight but jack jack needs me so you guys are gonna make it it's fine and yeah. she gives into that maternal instinct which also edna does too edna like every woman in this story is a fucking babysitter. Yeah. So it it rests on its gender expectation with so it tries to do the thing where it's like, see, we're switching, but really at the end of the day, it just resolidifies their understanding of what gender is. Yes. In a very, very simple way, what gender roles are, what is expected of women, what is expected of men. And to them, in this story, only two genders exist. Like, there is no spectrum. There is no, there, there is no queer or non-binormative, bi-gendered existence in this story. Like, with Mr. Incredible, like you said, this would have been such a cool opportunity for him to question things, to think about what gender expectation is, to think about his toxic masculinity to think about sort of cyclical and inherited trauma, thinking about how he's teaching his kids to be pro-violent, like thinking he could have spent so much time thinking about all this stuff and spent zero time thinking about this stuff was just Instead, like, I can was... be better than my wife. Like he hates her. Oh my The God. whole movie, he fucking hates her. Like he's like, oh, she's getting popular. And I'm so mad that I have to like raise my kids blah i'm so angry at her and but i want to like have sex with her and it's just like this is gross and so wild not at all unexpected when we're seeing who's writing this story but i guess yeah very typical of somebody like him who thinks that this is like cool and fine and fun whatever but 
Were you going to say something? You were going to say something else. Oh, I was going to go the the one dude in the film that we hadn't talked about, which is the baby. So he's like hanging out with daddy. He's learning from daddy. That's cool. That's fine. But then like part of the monkey see monkey do thing, right? So like the two other kids were like breaking the rules and doing like some hero stuff and then they save the day and whatever. Meanwhile, Jack Jack is looking at the TV and he's like, Oh, like, and he sees himself in this hero guy, right? And then he sees the fucking, he sees the little raccoon stealing something out of the trash. And he's like, and it's over trash, too. It's not like over, like, you know, like a pool toy or something. It's, he's stealing my trash. I'm going to get him. And he goes yeah. on. And that's how, like, when his powers, like, fully fucking manifest, right, is when he feels like he needs to take this in his own hands. He needs to protect this. He needs to do that. And he's so celebrated by his dad for all of this stuff. And then, but he's like, I don't know how to teach him how to be a man. So he sends him off to Edna to control his power or whatever because yeah. he has power, which dad doesn't know how to control, right? So give yep. him to a woman so that way he can like start to exude some control over him. Over yep. his own self. Like, ugh. yeah. Well, it, it opens that It was whole very cute, though. It was the, so cute. And I love... Se- that whole sequence, I will say, I did love it. Thinking about contextually what the sequence meant, I absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that was supposed to be in the first movie, but they couldn't fit it in. Like, Jack-Jack oh. was supposed to discover his powers in the first movie, with the raccoon like the raccoon fight was a big part of development from the first one and then they couldn't they just couldn't story-wise fit it in anywhere so that was like one of the shining sequences for this one where they were like that has to be in here we'll make it work but i want to jump like so there's a scene earlier that opens the door about representation right so when they're in the limo ride over to dev tech they get out the limo driver uh he's this person of color He's like, oh, thank you, you're here. He's fumbling over his words because he's trying to tell Frozone how much he means to him. Like, you're my hero. Like, you, it's essentially like, you look like me. I get to see myself in you. I see, like, I get to see you achieve and succeed in this way and you give me hope in that way. So, again, we're opening the door to representation. We're opening to, like, being able to see something and react to it and cool. We're seeing this garbage version of that to some degree with Jack-Jack when he's watching TV. Also, he's seeing his parents just be wild. The kids be wild. Nothing matters. Everything's fine. He sees this TV with the guy with the things on his eyes, like a little mask robbing a bank. He sees a raccoon who looks like he has a mask on his eyes. And because there is this, he's perceiving this on TV and seeing something that looks similar. Oh, that thing must be doing something bad, so I'm going to go destroy it. So in this moment, we're supposed to be celebrating this baby even though he's trying to destroy something based on media Based on the way it looks. But yeah, based on media stereotypes. So like this show was created, these characters were created. In this moment, digesting what the TV is showing and then taking that directly. It's seeing something that looked similar and being like, that thing's bad. So racial stereotypes and exactly. portrayals of marginalized communities and people of color. Again, 
you're opening this door. You're dipping your toe into the pool. Talk about it. Well, and they overtly say it, too. When the brother is talking about, like, the reason that supers, uh, nobody wants them around right now is because the way the media portrays them, the way that you're perceived. So we're going to change the perception. So it starts that conversation extremely early, but then it just continues the status quo. And that's what the last movie and this movie both do is it poses this question or it's like, look, I know what I am without ever actually questioning itself. So they yes. think that they're being intellectual by saying all of this, but they're not actually going through and looking at the script to see if that matches the tone or what they're showing. Yeah. It's essentially like being like, okay, we're going to talk about racial injustice, but what if we talk about it only on white people? <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? That that defeats the point. It's like, no, it doesn't because representation matters and, and cops. And you're like, what are you yeah. talking about? What do you mean? And again, even in this moment where Jack-Jack's trying to destroy this thing that he thinks he saw on TV, he's rewarded for it. He's rewarded for his action against this thing for the sake of quote-unquote justice when in fact, how is any of that just? How is him trying to kill a fucking raccoon who's just trying to eat some trash? Again, shit y'all threw out. Yeah. How, how, how is that just? How is that? How is any of that to be applauded? Fuck Mr. Incredible. Fuck this is just this so... Whole- messy and it didn't know like neither movie knew what it wanted to say or how to say it and like for all of the tension and all of the questions that it posed there was never a conversation there was never a questioning it was just like huh or it was like and it just like it it just felt like these things were put in there to make you as a viewer think about it but then i mean what's more powerful is showing something right and they never got to like you know they were like oh this is a good line or oh this is good or like you know yeah see this is what we mean but again like they never went further into that into the story and into what they were actually trying to say and what the problems were around that and both of these just like it's so so messy like cool okay if you want to celebrate that your kid has powers the whole cookie thing that was funny that's fine like you can't get the like the babies in an alternate dimension and you he'll only come out for cookies chill i'm done with that you know yeah but again to sort himself out then you need to give him to the like i loved edna and baby edna and baby together edna and jack jack were so cute like when he was eating his like little lollipop the same way that she holds her little fucking cigarette holder that's not a cigarette because it's a disney movie right like that was so cute yeah i agree (laughs) i love the edna jack jack scenes they were very fun very cute the woman is still a babysitter though yeah exactly it's it's (sighs) this movie was bad. This movie was so poorly written. And also, if in the moment where Jack-Jack is watching TV, sees the mask and then sees a raccoon with that, Jack-Jack is seeing this mask as a negative. Every person in that family wears that mask. Every one of their friends wears that fucking mask. So why is Jack-Jack only responding to the raccoon and not... Like, if, if that's how you're tying this in, if that's what it's like learned then why aren't they responding to everybody else who has that mask why isn't there a visceral reaction when they put on the masks jack exactly. jack takes that mask and put just puts it on and he's like blah 
And it's like, no, you guys don't know what you're saying. You guys don't know what you want to say. You're you're trying to talk about racial injustice, but you're erasing everybody who's not white. You're then taking these black characters and making them the judge or making them cops because you're trying to say that you're pro cop. Like you're 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 this is such a gross, reductive erasure of truth and of of true injustice. So you're having this movie about superheroes who want to fight against injustice, but you're erasing all of the unjust, problematic, systemic structures. A broken, you're you're erasing everything within that narrative because you don't want to talk about it. Because Bradbury doesn't want to talk about it. He's some white guy who doesn't want to talk about racial injustice, and he's some white guy who works in fucking Emeryville. I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about it because he's in a black neighborhood at to some extent near Oakland, like. In, in that way, I'm sure that he's like, well, we're not talking about that. And I'm like, go fuck yourself, you coward. Like, you opened this door to this narrative. You opened the conversation about injustice, but you're going to make the choice to completely gloss over anything that has to do with marginalized groups. Yeah. No, what the it's, fuck? It's <laughs> fucked. And like, <laughs> anybody that's not a man is treated like shit. And then even though like the the central male figure is supposed to be really relatable because he doesn't new math. Why did they change math? You know, like uh, I need double A batteries, but I got triple A like shut yeah. the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Your your life is hard. Meanwhile, you're going to spend so much time on that, but you can't spend any time talking about inequality of wealth or racist depictions of these people or racial inequality or any. You're not going to spend any time talking about that. Instead, you're just going to write this loose ass plot so you can put all of your so you can show your struggles as a parent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, even look at this moment, too, where like. When he wakes up from his like 19 hour nap and what's on the TV? Johnny Quest. What is Johnny Quest known for? Treating minorities great. Yes, yes, yes. Why was Johnny Quest on TV? Like, they could have picked anything. They could have made something up. But no, we're showing a show that is very, very famous for not treating people of color well and not doing a good job at erasing any sort of stereotypical depictions of marginalized people. So. In that way, I think that was put there for nostalgia. I think it was a show that they liked so or too. that he liked. And he put it in because he's like, superheroes. And you're like, you are so dense. 2018, get, y'all. 2018, 2018 is when this movie and came it makes, out. It makes me so mad. That's Because choices like that undermine anything they were trying to say, which was very little, again, because it is it is the erasure of racial injustice. That's what this movie fucking did. And then, okay, Now I want to get into the queer coding and that whole thing. Yes, please. So when we meet Void and all of these sort of like outlier heroes who are in hiding, they almost make it like, not almost, they do make this a group of queer people intentionally in the language that they use when they're sort of introducing themselves, but also in the way that they look and exist and walk and talk. So like... When we first meet Void, she's like very shy and nervous around Elastigirl, not implying any sort of attraction, but she's like, she's showing her skill and she's like, I just want to thank you for like being you. And I felt like an outcast, but now with you being you, I feel like, yay me. So because you came out, I can come out. It's safe to come out now. We can come out, come out, come out, come out. We're gay. We're queer. 
<sighs> okay, cool. But we're not going to say that because we don't want to talk about queer people. We don't t- want to talk about gay people in this world. We don't want to talk. Again, it's erasing anything that's not white or gen- or bi-gendered. Or- yes. Pixar, like, fuck. Whatever. Same like, fuck thing. off. You, you, y'all, they want to get points for talking about racial injustice. They want to get points for talking about queer existence. They want to get points for talking about feminism. They want to get points for it without talking about it. Yeah. Bullshit. And like even looking at each one of these people. So the guy with lightning, I I don't remember his name, but they animated his wrists to be like very limp and very this. Like if you go back and watch him, he's very angular and what you would call swishy and kind of like feminine. So he's a male presenting person who is feminine. Okay. Then Brick who is this, we assume is like a gender non-conforming character because they carry traits within them that are both masculine and feminine. And Helen's response to them was like, oh, okay, like, where are you from? Wisconsin? Like, oh, so she's uncomfortable around these queer people, around people who are like, what, what is the point here? Like, why? why is this? So if there's not a queer narrative, why are you making this group of outcasts that she's uncomfortable with gay or queer? Why are you making that choice? And again, look at their costumes. Each one of them was a distinct primary color. There's blue, there's yellow, there's orange, like, or or red. They each represent, so them standing together, they look like a fucking pride flag. I didn't even fucking catch that, but you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so silly and I, I, like... I didn't get it. I didn't get why that was. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like they, they want to talk about it without talking about it, but just the queer coding of it in the way that every sort of structure within this, that they wash over is reductive. This is no different, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but that was another thing that I was like, wow, you guys really fucking suck here. <laughs> like, well, and that's even <laughs> like a even smaller part of everything else. Like you were saying, like, like, okay, yeah. cool. And instead of focusing on the things that matter, we're going to focus on the wrong idea of feminism and on dad, <laughs> on yeah. dad, not knowing the right thing to do. So be sad for him because he's bad at being a dad. Boring. Yeah. <sighs> because really, like a lot of that, why was like if you took those outcasts out of this movie, what would have changed? The There'd be no henchmen, scene. I guess, for her. That's it. Yeah. That's the only thing because they're really not there. They tried to give Void a storyline, but then took it away from her. They were there to be conflict because that's the big fight scene is them at the end. So they were there literally just to be punching bags. What an ill-conceived notion. What an ill-conceived beat. That is terrible. I didn't even get that. That sucks. That did not translate. That was bad. Ew. It's just bad story. So in my head, though, here's what I think. And I'm not trying to knock every... I'm knocking Brad Bird because fuck Brad Bird. But um, also, palling around with John Lasseter. <laughs> so it kind of makes we've sense. we've already talked about. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of makes sense that like this person would think these things and exist in this world. Long and, history together. Not surprised. Not, not surprised, surprised at all. y'all. 
problematic white men. Let's talk about it. So, but um, <laughs> my idea, what I'm, what again, this is just theorizing, but to me, I'm like, because this is a huge team effort. Creating this thing takes so many people and so much time to create, and so many ideas kind of bouncing off of each other. Part of me thinks that some of the initial writers or possibly even sort of the story by writers who or 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 punch up like anybody who was a part of that process possibly pitched the idea of talking about racial injustice and talking about systemic inequality and talking about these things and they were pitched and they're like hey what if this storyline we talk about this how cool would that be and then it ties into this and again, same with the queer thing. Like, we'll talk about the queer community in it too. We'll talk about all of these different groups because if we're talking about the word special and what special means in this way that is so vague, let's not, let's be better than what we did in the first movie and change that and say that special and powers can mean so many different things. And in this way and in this world, everything is so vastly different. And, and there is injustice that isn't just petty theft, there's injustice in a system that rewards white skin like let's talk about these things part of me thinks that these ideas were put out on the table and brad bird said nah oh for sure you know why because he didn't see himself in those ideas when you have like a a whole character set like (sighs) that's based on his real life his family because i think he he did sell insurance at one point or something like this like mr incredible is him Right. Or is who he thinks he sees himself as, which is also fucked because he sees himself as a shitty person without like and has lots of pity for himself. Um, Yeah. But not to him. He's not shitty to himself. Nope. 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 (laughs) Nope. He He thinks he's the coolest shit. Um, But yeah, like so he didn't see himself in those characters. Therefore, he did not see any value in those characters but he's like cool if you want to add them great but we're not going to like we didn't get to do the baby thing in the last movie so that's going to take up 10 (laughs) minutes in this one that like they could have just released that as a short in between like and that would have been cool right i would like you know as like a little teaser i mean they they do all that stuff and i love that but like that 10 minutes could have been taken up by fleshing out some of these characters or talking about these other heroes and you know you could even like talk about the wealth and influence in relation to access to like life-saving technology and things like that like because we still haven't even gotten into the screen slaver right Oh my like, god! And uh, her whole thing talk about class privilege. Exactly. Talk about class privilege. And her whole thing was, well, super shouldn't be around because if my dad didn't have faith in them or didn't believe in them, then he would have gone to his panic room and been fine. But also, if you have a panic room, okay, sure, great. But who the fuck has a panic room that's watching this movie? Who the fuck yeah. can afford that? Who? I just if you're rich and white. <laughs> Like, for all of this person's money and all of their influence, they couldn't save their own life because uh, it's just, it's really frustrating. And so instead of putting blame or like, or not blame, but like, you know, actually seeing it for what it is, she's just trying to blame the superhero that didn't show up. And so that's literally her whole motivation. And then she like has this giant monologue on you watch talk shows you eat chips and watch whatever from your couch and blah 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 and it's this big fucking thing about how everybody's in front of a screen instead of like experiencing life when that's not even her narrative like that's not her her, <laughs> her core 
thing is that her parents died because superheroes weren't around. So why is she like spouting off all of this other stuff? And I think that a lot of that was just to color uh, feminism in a more shitty way like to make it look as shitty as possible right because like you know she as the intellectual is bad and so okay cool she's a feminist and she also uh hates screens that also does this so but it's it's so weird to me because the whole time i thought her brother was the bad guy because that kind of fit his character profile is like you know he's a good old boy he's really clean cut family values and she spends her whole life, her whole thing is in front of a screen. That's her whole job is to program these things and to make all of these things and to do all of these things. And she never once talked about having a problem with any of that. And so, like, that just felt, it felt really weird that that was her super villain's whole MO. Again, they just didn't know what to do with her and they didn't know what feminism is. So it's like, we're just going to put all of these things together. This is feminism is just all of this. It was it was as misguided as those open the economy boomers yelling and screaming on the Capitol so they can go get their hair done. Like, yes. In that same way, because like if we're looking at these characters, she's her whole vendetta is engulfed in this premise that like the only reason her parents are dead are because of the supers. She as a rich, wealthy white person has never been inconvenienced and has never been told no, that there is no possible other scenario where. I know this never, is so weird because it's so convoluted and so fucked up. Yeah. They didn't know never, what they were she's saying. Never, she's never been inconvenienced. So in this world where her parents died because of the supers, there's no possible scenario in her head where she just thinks, well, sometimes things happen. Sometimes accidents happen. Sometimes a stray bullet hits somebody and that person dies. They had nothing to do with it. Their parents had nothing to do with it. It was a robbery. They're not coming in there to kill them. They're coming in there to steal. They happen to be there. Again, not excusing the robbery and the murder, but in her head, because she's so important and wealthy and everything has to do with them and their family she cannot even convince herself that the possibility that they were just a bystander and that it had nothing to do with them is even on the table right right because the whole vendetta it's the superhero's fault somebody has to pay for this because this somebody has to pay for this what a rich fucking phrase like well you're out of fettuccine someone's gonna pay for that like it's 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 i've been inconvenienced it's somebody's fault. And that person, because I'm used to getting what I want, I'm used to being told yes, because of that inconvenience, somebody has to pay for this thing. Well, and it's not even just like taking it out on the one person, on the one superhero that like didn't answer the call, right? Or it's yeah. not. Instead, she's just trying to take on everybody. And I, that's what a lot of people think about feminism. Like a lot of misguided people Yeah, is like the you're you're mad at all men that you hate all men and you know even if we say like you know dude men suck like it's i mean to some degree yeah i get like let's say it yeah for sure (laughs) for sure it's true (laughs) she sucks but no but (sighs) she sucks she does but she did have like a couple of good points and it sucks because they can't even write a bad character good (laughs) <laughs> I, again well but it it goes back to like because again with 
Syndrome and Evelyn, like underneath some of their weird takes, a lot of the points that they're making were like, okay, sure. Yeah, kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of on the side. It kind of, it, it just plays to this idea of like, what? So the, the content creators, the people who made this movie, the director, the writer, what do you think is bad? Like, where is your value system coming into play here? Where like, your villain in the first one was like an equity champion and you're like, that's bad. Destroy it. Cool. What do you guys think about that? Like, (laughs) tell us more. Talk to us. Like, really? That's your bad guy. Your bad guy is somebody who wants everybody to be on the, on an even playing field. Like truly it makes me empathize with the fucking villain. (laughs) Like your villain, the person you're writing, like, which makes me reassess like, well, who's the actual villain in this movie? the white supremacists who are trying to uphold their privilege or the guy who wants everybody to have an equal playing field. But to make sure that you knew he was the villain, they slipped in that line of he sells weapons to all sorts of bad guys, right? He's a weapons dealer and that's how he got all of his money. So just to make sure that you didn't sympathize with him or that like that was like the first thing out of his mouth before he started saying the rest of his plan. It was, I got to where I am because this. This is what I want to do with that. Which, so right, you so already made this, up your your how you felt about him in your mind. Yeah, yeah. In this way, you're telling us murder's bad. Which cool, we get. We're on board. So the equivalence of like him being a bad person is tied to the fact that he sells arms to unknown people. Those arms probably ending lives. At the same time, our hero family is also killing people. <laughs> So at what point do we draw the line on like murder being the bad thing despite no matter what like the 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 compass of compassion the 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 justice meter that is here is so fucking skewed and off like what is just and what is unjust in this world you guys are saying it's clear cut but you're developing all of these storylines that convolute the message of everything like either get better values or be better writers because one of those is bad. If not, both of those are bad. <laughs> Y'all need to get good. Okay. You writers good? Yeah. need to get good. And again, it's not to not knock hard. everybody who worked on it. Cause I'm sure that there were some like actually good voices in some of those rooms, but. <sighs> well, and I'm sure that that's why we got some of the moments that we really liked in, you know, in both of these films. But like, it does take so many people to create this. But at the same time, especially when you have one person that's like yay or nay, or that has, and especially like, you know, Disney has such a hold on, or and Pixar have such a hold on these properties where they get veto decision on all this other stuff. And it's so curated. And I feel like this is maybe a movie where there was just so many ideas and so many different perspectives and so many that where nobody was agreeing. And so they like just kind of strung it together as best as they could. This was not as messy as Rise of Skywalker, but, (laughs) 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 but we're, we're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I do want to bring up a line that was at the end that I really liked. And I think it's it's either Violet or somebody, it, one of the women says it, but when they're putting Edna, no, Ethel, <laughs> fucking Evelyn. Evelyn? When putting Evelyn away. <laughs> um, there's a line that says, I'm sorry, she's rich and she's probably just going to get away with a slap on the wrist or something like that. And I was like, cool. Yeah, you all know. 
okay thank you for bringing this up i was just like okay so this movie knows the system is broken why aren't we addressing it like again it's this moment where like you dip your toe into class privilege and a broken system so oh my god here okay (laughs) violet literally says that at the end so this is coming from the creators of this story meanwhile they're trying to do this pro cop thing and when the pizza delivery boy gets arrested he's getting in the cop car and the cop's like don't blame a broken system or something like that like the system isn't broken whatever so which is it the system's broken or it's not broken where do you guys stand because it's one or the other they flip-flop they go back and forth and back and forth again this is the most centrist bullshit i've ever heard like i mean i guess that makes sense for disney right just Uh like the centrist queens of the universe not having a fucking opinion. Not having an opinion, but putting the front like you do have an opinion and yeah. like wanting to be perceived as both family friendly and cutting edge on the forefront of like representation and all this. Wanting to feel like you're there or pretend like you're there with doing the least amount of effort and with actually not doing any of that. Yep. That's kind of where they exist and what they excel at so so fuck them fuck this movie fuck brad bird fuck disney fuck it all this sucks so we watched the the incredibles and the incredibles too too bad it exists too bad bird (laughs) also this movie was anything but incredible. Uh, Hot take. M- more like the incredulous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> others, others, more. I don't know. Really reaching, really reaching. <laughs> yeah, we're we're trying. <laughs> All right. So, The Incredibles, two thousand four. Who do you think that was for? It was for anybody who is nostalgic for. The big air quotes, simplicity of the 50s and an earlier time, which is coded language for I want to be racist in public. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Um, for those people, including Brad Bird, who is one of them. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm just going to say that it's for Brad Bird. He made the Holy Trinity, his own Holy Trinity in there. The the savior, the villain, and the voice of reason. Amen. Disney (laughs) and Pixarium Deus Disneyranium. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Um, Did you like it? When I first saw it, I loved it. Watching it this week, I did not like it. I actually really didn't like it. It was a bad movie. It's a bad story. It's bad characters. For the most part, some of them are cool sometimes. Also, comparing the animation and like the shading and everything, it looked rough. It's like going back and watching Toy Story again. You're like, oh my God. Like, they got away with this Windows 95 bullshit. Jesus, are they okay? Um, <laughs> yeah. Are you okay? But, you know, leaps and bounds and all that. Um, <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> The first time I saw it, I was meh about it. And this Mm -hmm. time I'm like, (sighs) if this was a picture book, I would like it. Like, 
I don't want any words from this movie. I don't. I just want some beautiful ass stills of uh, the concept art for this. I that, love that I love. Everything else was garbage. Truly, yeah, you're so right. The concept art for this was probably gorgeous. I've seen some like, of it. It's really, really. Is it pretty. really good? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just some like fucking moodscape reds and oranges and ah. Uh. It's something I would absolutely like if it wasn't from this movie. Like I would love some of that art. Yeah, the yeah. aesthetic was so good. Like I know this is we're know. talking about the first one in this, but even in the second one when they're at the hotel, like they're in the pool. Uh, yes, and like the, the colors exterior- of the doors. <gasps> and they- it's just it's so emblematic of a very specific type and time of architecture that is so like kind of fun and silly also low-key problematic but very cute (laughs) you know all that so second one number two uh did you think it was new or interesting the same progressive regressive and how to involve with today's ideas so i will say that it was exactly the same because even though it was trying to be big air quotes progressive and inclusive, I think it failed to do everything it was trying to do. So for that reason, I'm going to say it stayed exactly the same because it stayed just as stale and just as exclusive as the first. I'm going to say that it was regressive. Ooh, um, okay. Because I I think it's even worse if you try to bring up these ideas and like, oh, look, see, see, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. And then don't mm-hmm. talk about it and then just actually do and show the opposite of what you're trying to address. Oh, like, okay. So at least the first one was just shitty and contained within that shitty family and incel boy right but this other one (laughs) really opened up the world and still it focused on the wrong parts and the wrong people and the wrong things and you don't get a cookie for just showing that these other people exist without even talking about them or what they mean or what they represent you don't get a cookie for showing gender roles are hard and it's hard to be mommy you know, but like, it's also and, hard to be daddy, and you're like, shush. Yeah, like you don't get a cookie for that, and that's yeah. gross, and that's wild, and that's aggressive. And you had such a great opportunity to not do that and to show some real character growth for the yeah. entire family and how to have those conversations and stuff rather than just push it off as that's adolescence, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it was incredibly regressive. Yeah, which also that weird little comment, I didn't bring this up earlier, but when he's like, is that adolescence? That So adolescence was not the word that I felt like was initially. Oh, picked. I'm sure it wasn't. You I'm know what sure I mean? I'm sure it wasn't, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, so that's what's happening here? They're gonna, cool. The little boy cool. is saying, that's adolescence? We're gonna just love that one. And I'm sure his dad's just like, oh, whatever, ladies. And they're like, shut up, Mr. Incredible. Yeah, they both suck. Who was it for? Who was this one for? Um, This one was for self-congratulatory 
liberals who parade as being inclusive when in fact they're low-key racist and shitty <laughs> and problematic in every aspect. I'm going to say that. I feel like this is for people who try to stay relevant by doing the least and pretending they're enlightened. Yeah. And who who pretend like they really care about people and about things and about justice and about all of that, but really at the end of the day don't want to have a conversation about it. And this yeah. movie was also for cops. Yeah, this movie was for cops. Oh God. Fuck cops. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what this was. <laughs> so I take it you didn't like it? No, I actually really didn't like it. Um, it was going to be a big, big negative for me. I learned something this week. I don't like these movies. I thought I liked these movies, and I don't. I learned that this week. I thought they were okay, and then I like watched them again, and I was like, ooh. Yeah, going to be a big old oof. Big, yeah. a big Actually, yikes. I take that back. The first time that I watched Incredibles 2, I was like, fuck this, because I was so incredibly mad about what they did with uh, Mr. Incredible and how, because oh, like, yeah. I, I just really hate it when it's that trope of like uh, Mr. Mom and like failing <laughs> at being Mr. Mom. Like everything about that genre just pisses me off. <laughs> like in my fucking core. I hate it. I don't like yeah. it. And maybe let somebody else write a movie. Pixar? Yeah. <laughs> hire, hire better writers. Hire people of experience of different cultures. Like, oh, man. All right. I think that's it. What I do you think, think that's it too. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, sorry, this is a long one. We have lots of thoughts and feelings about things. That's why we're doing a podcast, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> uh, you can write into us at notstyledopodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to David Gisero for tech support, Danny Barkley for editing. You can find us on all of the socials and all of the stuff. Uh, we love you. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. And uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Yeah. Bye-bye. We did the thing. Okay, bye.